Assalamu alaikum guys, uh, welcome to another episode of Connotations. Uh, this is episode 10 and um, there's a number of pressing issues obviously going around in the world at the moment um, but we're wanting to specifically highlight the Uyghur Muslim situation in China, uh, Xinjiang, have I pronounced that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Xinjiang. Xinjiang. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Um, yeah, we 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 felt we need to talk about that uh, simply because the media doesn't really cover it. Um, I know we're not as big as the media or whatever, um, but it is our duty as Muslims. Um, if we can't physically be there to prevent anything, any um, injustices, then we should at least speak about them. Um, so that's what we're here to do today. Um, and I've got Vagar with me and also... Abdul Muhit, who we shot an episode with, um, which should be releasing the following week. Uh, now, so um, Uyghur Muslims, I think, regarding you're probably the most um, out of out of the three of us. You're probably the most clued up one, simply because of your interests in this area and also um, your general sort of um, interest in research in the area and also your uh, what do you call it? Um, like the kind of activist kind of person you are yeah um so activist i would uh, i would use that term loosely because i don't not you as used much to be, as didn't you though yeah, yeah used i used to, to do a lot yeah like marches and stuff like that yeah but like compared to the rest of us yeah. you're that guy okay um so yeah just just um please elaborate a bit on who the Uyghur muslims are uh maybe a bit on their history um so for the for for our audience who hasn't heard who haven't heard of them well they probably wouldn't have because of um, the media not covering it and a lot of people don't well, actually go out of their way to research it. Yeah. Well, the media does cover it, yeah, but yeah. not to that extent. Yeah, so the interesting thing we see now um, is we see BBC and like, uh, surprisingly, like CNN, yeah. who um, who don't usually cover these kind of things, especially injustices towards Muslims. Like we see the atrocities in atrocities in Burma not being covered enough. Um, but the reason why the Uyghur situation in China is being is getting um, some coverage by the BBC yeah. and the mainstream media is because it's to do with China and currently um, the US and China are going at it in terms of like the economic like you know the because china is set to be the next economic superpower yeah, yeah. so there uh, the us um and england as well to some degree are highlighting the these issues um and they're they're about to pass a bill which i'll speak to uh, i'll speak about uh towards the end but i'll just go through because i've got some bullet points here about the history of the uyghur muslims um so uh, the Uyghurs are predominantly a Turkic-speaking, they're Sunni Muslims who live um, in Xinjiang, which is yeah. it's now known as Xinjiang. Yeah. Um, what was it known as before? So uh, yeah, I'll I'll come to that. Um, so the Uyghurs were actually from that area. So that area was not always part of mainland China, yeah. um, as we know it today. So uh, historically, the Uyghur Muslims they um, were Buddhist, they um, uh, some of them were like shama like shamans. Yeah. They had like shamanic religion, yeah. um, and then what happened is um, Islam sort of spread, yeah. and um, uh, it sort of created 
uh, when the when the Muslims came into that area, they were uh, were slightly advanced in terms of knowledge and yeah. like maths and philosophy and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it appealed to a lot of the like the local um, people there, yeah? yeah. And so they reverted to Islam. Where were they coming from? The Mus- uh, the Muslims. Yeah. So this was during the. Uh, Kara Hanid. I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm guessing it's Khara with KH, but it's Khara Hanid Kingdom in the nine 900s. Okay. In in terms of geography, just to highlight it to the to the audience. Um. So you've got China, which is a huge communist country, and to the uh, never eat shredded wheat. To the west of it, yeah. uh, it's in like a centralish area. Yeah. Uh, is the Xinjiang location where it's the, the Uyghur, province, yeah, 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 where the Uyghur Muslims are resided yeah. uh, or have been residing. Um, and then you've got like uh, Pakistan connecting. You got Pakistan, um, Tur- Turkey as well, isn't it? Yeah. So you got Pakistan. Up. You got Iran. Um, yeah. So they are they are on that side of the border, yeah. on the Pakistan side of the border. Um, so basically what happened was once they embraced Islam, they embraced it quite wholeheartedly and they, uh, a lot of Islamic scholars actually came from the Uyghur um, Muslims. Okay. Um, and the capital of this Islamic uh, state uh, for the Uyghurs was a place called Kashgar. And you might have heard it, it's, it's used a lot in like literature and um, I've heard it in poetry, like Alam Akbar's poetry and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's quite, um, in pop culture as well, it's used quite a bit. Um, so this this place was sort of the hub for uh, Islamic education and philosophy and uh, theology. And um, it was also the stop for traders. Yeah. So traders would come in uh, from the Silk Road, which is... Um, the Silk Road was like a network that the Chinese, uh, I don't know if it was the Chinese, but the, the, it was like a network, a, a trading network. Yeah. Uh, it was it was like the largest paved um, sort of roads where the traders yeah, came and the traders I, silk and spices. I'm not 100% sure, but you might be right because um, Chinese, they're known for their silk production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah. So it was more than silk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So spices, it was different things. Um, and a, a fun fact is where we're from in Pakistan, Hassan Abdal, yeah. The Silk Road actually goes through there, and if you keep going across the um, that highway, yeah. it ends up in Xinjiang. Okay. So um, these guys were essentially at the stopover for where traders would come from the east and the west, and they would, uh, you know, they would speak to them and they would educate them and stuff. So they, they, they were there for um, a while, um, hundreds of hundreds of years before the Chinese, as we know it the the Chinese nationalist uh, government as we know it before they even came so I was speaking to some of the uh, some people um, regarding the situation before and they they weren't aware of this they assumed that the Uyghur people were immigrants because that's what we tend to hear like you know the immigrants getting oppressed and whatever but in fact the Uyghur Muslims were from that area for longer than the current government or longer than the current Chinese people that reside in uh, in mainland China right now so they're not immigrants um, even if they were it doesn't matter but I'm just I'm just trying to give uh, people uh, an in-depth sort of character because so that they can relate more to like what's happening uh, what's happening now which I'll go into um, so they're not immigrants they were there from hundreds and hundreds of years um, 
they've had they've got a certain lifestyle they've you know they've uh, they've got their own way of dressing they've got islam as a religion they've got their own culture they've got their own music um so they're quite different to the chinese um so just going down my bullet points so the islamic uh the islamic Uyghur kingdom of east turkestan is what it was called um is what we call it like what it was called before Xinjiang. Um, so it, it, what happened is um, there's a the Manchu Empire, which was like some. I think I'm guessing it was like a Chinese empire. I'm not sure who they were, but they came and they in 1876 they, yeah, they were Chinese. So they overtook this um, East Turkestan, um, and they renamed it Xinjiang. And then what happened? Which it wasn't too bad because. Um, people this was quite common so like a dynasty would come and it would take over and stuff and it was very diplomatic um but what happened is the nationalist the people that the chinese that we know today the han uh, han chinese yeah so they came and they over they overruled the manchu empire um and then the problem started then it was like you know these people who have their own culture have their own identity they're so different from us and that's where the tension started. So this, so that happened in 1876. Um, so after the Chinese nationalists um, overthrew the Manchu Empire in 1911, sorry, um, East Turkestan, which was known as then East Turkestan, it fell under Chinese rule. Um, the Uyghurs, who were always um, Turkic tribes, they've always been sort of individual like they've always been quite independent um if you look at history uh they've all they've always fought back um from oppression and stuff they've always been that those kind of people uh whether it's the uyghurs whether it's other turkic uh, tribes um, standing up for the just yeah um so they've always been like that they've always been like a warrior kind of uh tribe um so what happened is when 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 china um you know they they asserted their dominance on that area um they wanted them to abide by the communist uh mentality um they wanted to put the state uh, the state before their religion or god or whatever mm. they you know and as muslims we can't like there are certain things that we can integrate with society but s- some things are just like you go out of the fold of like you can't put a man or a nation before your creator basically mm. So it was a problem for the Chinese. Um, so there were a couple of uprisings. Yeah, because they see everything as um, like one China, yeah, uh, one yeah, yeah. Um, one society, and like they want to like uh, unify everything. They're all about unity. Because um, unity, <laughs> n- not in like the positive sense, but yeah. like the negative sense. Because I, I was watching a um, documentary today, literally uh, before I got came here um, by Vice. And um, it was a journalist's perspective who was who happened to speak English and also Chinese. Um, don't, not sure of her background, but she didn't. She wasn't native Chinese. Um, so she shot a documentary going there, you know, filming the Uyghur situation. And um, there, in like a lot of the schools, um, what they're showing now is um, like literally the schools. They even operate on the Sunday. Um, and that's how the, like the suspicion arose. Like she was going in, she's like usually schools would run like Monday to Saturday, and she should see she was seen in those concentration camps, which they called um, re-education centers. By the way, 
um and in those there was like kids um like she saw like a few heads of kids and stuff so she thought she'll go and like research it a bit more see what's actually going on there and then like during their playtime and stuff they're like making them uh, recite all this like um the first question is um something like who are you or are you China or something like that? Do you reckon something like that? Yeah. But the, and the, and the, the kids are forced to say we are Chinese, um, like we believe in communism and something like that. Yeah. And then it also goes over like you know when the, I think you're going to talk about this anyway. But you know the people they deployed, the, the officers they deployed, like per household, yeah. to like sit and watch and what what the Uyghur Muslims are either doing, like basically control them. And um, I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of the a lot of the w- Muslim women, like they they couldn't handle the shame of it, and because of that reason, they even commit suicide. Yeah, so so what the documentary you're talking about is quite recent. Um, like I said before, the r- the reason why it's getting a lot of uh, media coverage recently is because of the tension between America and you know, so it's the, it's it it, it it's their um, you know, it's their they have a motive behind showing all this but this has actually been going on for a lot longer than people think so um the camps right now um they've been the way they've been set up um are like concentration camps not like schools so like you can imagine like the barbed wire people in chains you know and people have taken pictures of of these um prior to the prior to these kind of camps um around sort of 9/11 what the Chinese people said what the Chinese government basically said was um, we've got a terrorist problem as well and it's these people and there was no there was very little activity in terms of um, uh, you know uh, suicide bombings in fact there weren't suicide bombings there was there was a little bit of violence and I'll tell you why there was violence Uh, because currently the Chinese are trying to defend their actions by saying uh, we, we, we're trying to counter terrorism, basically, yeah. But if we take a step back and look back, what actually happened was um, this this uh, area um, was predominantly Uyghur, uh, as in it, it was sort of uh, almost all of it was the Uyghur people, with some uh, of with some other sort of ethnicities. What China done is they said they told like the the other Chinese the hand, you know. The, the normal, the bigger, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, the bigger ethnicity, or whatever, whatever you want to call it, they told them to move into this area. So by doing that, they said they would reduce the Uyghur population. Like, you know, if like if you've got an area and people start moving in, yeah. and they start, you know, uh, their generations, you know, start, you know, uh, like ethnic cleansing. Yeah, it's like ethnic cleansing. So, um, the average, the Han population increased at an average rate of 8.1% yearly um so in 2010 in 2010 the uh, the census put the Jing, Xinjiang population at 45.8% Uyghur and 40 40.5% Han which is like almost half half before it was like almost 90% and then there was a little bit of so what ha- what's happened now is there's a lot of tension there's a lot of muslims there's a lot of uh, people that are trying to um live a way of life that they've lived for centuries and then there's like these new nationalistic uh people who are 
overly patriotic and they're overly you know how you get some people who are like you know i'm from this country and you know where the no matter if the country policies are like edl basically basically yeah yeah so there was a lot of tension immoral or anything like you know what i mean exactly and uh, if you can imagine like if we're going on cali if we're going down cali road man's away and we see someone throw something at the man's away mosque like something like uh foul or something we would get angry naturally and we would probably it would turn into a violent act and so they turned that sort of where it was tense and people died on either side they turned that into this narrative that these people are um basically terrorists and we need um we need to treat them as terrorists um and they tried to paint a picture around that um and um funnily enough back then the us and the un kind of um identified some of the Uyghur uh, groups as terrorist organizations but now they've retracted on that um so they know uh, somehow they're no longer terrorist organizations why is that i mean they were never terrorist organizations bro like um, but um, why do you think they retracted back um because there's no there's there's no terrorist activity the terrorism doesn't exist it's only it's only been pockets of fighting uh amongst the Uyghur people and the you know the Chinese fighting as in um uh stabbings and um physical violence not like you know bombings and stuff um so um yeah so i i i watched a documentary an old documentary 2009 um so this was a guy a german guy who went into uh Xinjiang um this was before this was all mainstream like what we're seeing today this was before all of that this is back in 2009 so he went there and there was a lot of uh steps that he had to take to actually get into the province um when he did he was he was only allowed to go on a guided tour so when they when he went on this tour um he was accompanied by a chinese person and there was like a group like an excursion so he went there and he went to this like Uyghur village um and he basically said that it's almost it seems almost unreal because there's like one family living there mm. and there's like one mosque so imagine imagine having one mosque for one family that doesn't make any sense a mosque is like for a community yeah. um so he he basically had that feeling that this was all like set up for tourists to come in and like experience uh, that kind of lifestyle but it's not it wasn't a real village it was just a model kind of village it's on it's online um it's a 2009 documentary we'll put links in the description where did you watch it youtube watching youtube um and then i watched the vice one that you said that was a recent one um and then um the bbc wanted to um yeah they wanted to visit the camps um recently and i think they said that you can but give us a couple of months so when the <laughs> bbc went um it wasn't that bad like there was basketball courts and whatever but somebody had actually checked like google maps and before there was before the bbc came along so months before that there was like barbed wire people walking with their hands behind their backs um and then they changed it so there was like a bus where the where there was like barbed wire that got removed where there was like caged windows that all got removed there was a basketball court there was people like uh, in classrooms like sat grown people sat in like on desks and stuff 
Um, so they kind of changed it a little bit. Um, and I think they are, China is ac- actively making an effort to mask what they're doing because um, w- I think it was yesterday I, I googled like for the research for this episode yeah. and the first article was um, uh, an article saying that the numbers, because uh, the UN have said that at least a million uh, Uyghur Muslims have been um, detained have been uh, put in these concentration camps um, and what they what this article said is like uh, the numbers are inflated and whatever the, it's not actually a million they're not concentration camps whatever yeah um, and then I looked into the website and it was a Chinese website so they're actually they're actually actively trying to uh, change the narrative they're trying to like shift people's uh, the way people think towards that um, so yeah, so there's been uh, there's been reports of um, really um, re- really vulgar stuff going on in the in the in the camps. Um, on the surface, where the vice uh, the the lady from the vice documentary, um, it looks like they're um, sort of like reformat. You know how you reformat hard disk, yeah, and and you just try and like put in your own own files in there. They're they're, they're trying to they're trying to um, get them to forget about their way of life and their religion and they constantly on repeat they're getting them to chant uh songs about the president um yeah and, and this xi, is xi jinping i hate this guy i want to give him a nickname think of a nickname pig <laughs> xi jinping <laughs> that's jokes um but yeah so uh not only in the in the concentration camps but the 2009 documentary i saw outside the mosques they had vans with uh massive loudspeakers on um on the top um and in the loudspeakers there was a constant uh message uh, played on repeat 24 7 even uh, even at night that was basically the and the message was it is intense it, it, uh, it the message was basically you know xinjing peng is xing Xi Jinping is your leader or whatever. Well, I think what they're doing is they're taking a lot of the older lot and putting them in concentration camps and the killed kids that are left behind. Okay, a lot of them are going into camps as well, but um, in the schools now, yeah. they've got the, their stronghold on them, on their education, yeah. and they're just going to, over time, in 10 years' time, bro, you'll see um, there's probably not going to be any Uyghur Muslims left. Yeah. All their kids, all the Uyghur Muslim kids, they'll be your Han Chinese. They'll identify as those. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and um, this is actually ethnic cleansing. And I've I I I commented on a YouTube video um, that this is sort of um, this is you know cleansing of uh, a, a minority. And when I say minority, we're talking about um, at least a million people in concentration camps, um, and the Uyghur uh, and the size of uh, this area is about the size of Iran. So it's not like a small. It's not like it's not like Oxford. Like oh yeah, th- there's there's a couple of concentration camps set up in Oxford, and it's got a couple of thousand. No, this is almost four times as uh, or t- like it's like three or four times the size of Germany, I think. This area, Xinjiang, this area. So and they've got over a thousand. Um, uh, one of this res- one of the researchers, Adrian Zenz, um, he's you should check him out. He's an activist who um, 
is actively looking into the situation. Does this work? Because we can load up some of the stuff on here. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, please do. Um, so Adrian Zenz, he's, he's estimated the number of in, intern, you know, in, in the camps in Xinjiang, over a thousand camps. So imagine that, over a thousand. Yeah, yeah. And they've got, they've got, um, uh, they've got people who have come out of the camps like a lady has come out of the camps and she done an interview online and she seems like a very sort of, you know, like you, you would see like an auntie. Uh, she was that kind of a lady and she was saying that, you know, they they don't care if you're like a 14-year-old girl or an older woman. They strip you naked and they make you do like sit-ups. For, for, for whatever reason they make you do that, they make you, they, they do it to degrade you. Um, so and is, in terms of food as well, they feed them like pork. Yeah. Uh, and and um um the women some of the women are forced to marry chinese men and you know like because in islam a woman is a, a female a woman is not allowed to marry like a non-muslim yeah. um so they're doing that on purpose um um so yeah i mean this brainwashing because it does look like brain have you seen hunger games yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I haven't seen that, bro. So in Hunger Games, there's a, a, a um, there's like sec, sec, sectors. So sec, uh, section one, sector one, sector two, sector three, and these are full of like, uh, minority like disenfranchised people. These are these are full of like people that the government are pressing, and they live a very sort of basic lifestyle, and then there's like the elite who live completely separate, and they live in luxury. Yeah, and it's when I saw the documentary, the older one, where there's the loudspeaker speak, uh, you know, the on repeat, that message uh, on repeat on the loudspeaker, it, it reminded me of that, um, of hunger, of a scene in Hunger Games. Like, I don't know. Did you say there was more than a million? Cause yes. Re- the UN, UN have said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, the research shows about a million. Yeah, so the UN have said that. Th- there's a million of them held in the over re-education. A minimum yeah. a million, yeah. Yeah, so over a million held in the re-education camps. So you can imagine the size of these detention camps. Yeah, so what the so the way they came across these numbers is uh, the amount of people that are coming forward, the amount of Uyghur people that are coming forward, because they don't get told that, here you go, you're going to be put in this camp or your son is going to be put in this camp or your sister is going to be put in this camp. It's more like, my sister's gone, my mother's gone, they're missing. You know, where are they? You go to the police, they're... My, where's my family there's no answer that so they they went off that so they there's people just going missing like that like they people they don't know where they are they don't know whether they're alive parents, they don't know whether they're dead their parents as well like um in in that same documentary that i watched um so the parents in istanbul for example yeah. and they don't know where their child is and th- how they found out um where he is sorry they do know where he is but they don't know th- he he's not with them and how they found out mm. Um, where he is is through a video they saw on a random post online and the the mother recognised her child that was in this detention camp that's crazy how mad is that that's crazy imagine imagine that I mean as a as a father yeah I mean I mean in my head I, I can see why somebody would they're being quite patient I'll be honest with you the the, the our Muslim brothers and sisters they're being quite patient because as a father, I don't know what I would do, bro. Bro, bro honestly, you know, one of the one of the things, one of the advantages, yeah, of this might be 
in say 20 years time when they're adults and they know technology i don't know how how stronghold um the, how much stronghold there is in china of like ease of access of internet and information Bro, I, I'll let you the, know, yeah. The, yeah let me know because yeah. from what i've heard they control everything they but control everything. these guys they, because a lot of this is documented with videos and posts and stuff online yeah they might be able to trace their history back well you what we're seeing the internet we're seeing here is a lot different in, in china so um it's not it's not just a matter of blocking pages or blocking certain articles and stuff they ju- they just don't have access they, they just don't give they shut it off actually you're right they they wipe away that even that even such as the name like do you know how you know when i was telling you about the meza ozil who's an arsenal player yeah. his thing china actually went to an extent to block his name from their search engines so you type in meza ozil you're not finding anything yeah so imagine like these kids grow up and they type in Uyghur Muslim, nothing might come up. Yeah, so I spoke to um, a Uyghur Muslim on Discord. Uh, he's he lives in America, um, and he's got some he's got some um, uh, he's got some uh, family extended family that's been gone missing as well. Um, and the, uh, I saw the Oxford Union Mehdi Hassan uh, debate. Um, about this situation and there was a there was a Uyghur Muslim in the crowd yeah. and he even he showed a photo um, of like his sister or his family that he doesn't know where they are um, so it's it's very like uh, control the internet control your perception control everything basically do you know what I mean that's that's really um, scary it's intimidating actually uh, to think that like some like you know a nation like that I'll give you another reason to be intimidated as somebody who lives exactly so uh, as so, as somebody who lives in the UK we live in the UK um there is a reason for us to be concerned with what's happening in China outside of the Uyghur situation um so i, I i'm not a conspiracy theorist um but i think that there's something a lot deeper going on obviously muslims are we all know like muslims are the scapegoat for every bad thing happening in the world nowadays let's face it it's like muslims are like the like in a minority of the muslims yeah, or yeah. generally the uh, umbrella exactly. name of muslim or islam is seen as an enemy exactly exactly and um i think the reason behind that is because we have never um liberalized our views or we've never like adjusted because we have a belief and we stick to that belief and that was that's what the problem is with the Uyghur what the Chinese find with the Uyghur because let me just uh yeah um the president he appointed um an officer or somebody to oversee all this the concentration camps oppressing the Uyghurs controlling the population uh getting the Chinese into that area to reduce the population this guy he done the exact same thing in Tibet with Buddhists uh, at a very sm- at a smaller scale. So he went to uh, Tibet and in the monasteries he <coughs> he implemented certain things where they could teach certain things and they can't teach certain things, whatever that go against uh, communism and their ideology. So the president, because he had that experience, the president basically said to him, "Do what you did there on a on a much larger scale here in the Uyghur." um community so this is not just a cause cause for concern for muslims but you know if you have they're doing it with the christian uh bible as well the christians aren't very 
um, they have a, um, a a philosophy to like turn the other cheek, or uh, they don't. They're not very vocal about these things, but they've done it. Um, they've uh, uh, there are certain things in 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 China yeah. from the Bible that you can't teach. So that's basically not a full religion in China, um, even though there are a lot of Christians in China. But for some reason, they don't want to speak up or whatever. With the Uyghur Muslims, they're going as far as putting the president's uh, picture mm. on the prayer mats so um in not not the concentration camps but outside of the concentration camps where there's mosques and stuff um they are allowing them to pray but firstly you have to go to the police you have to register yeah. to go to the mosque so that they can keep an eye on you and then you can go to the mosque and pray <clears throat> and then on a lot of the prayer mats they've got a picture of him uh, of the president on the prayer mat yeah so th- they've they've got like a you know how kids have that small prayer mat it's like this big yeah they've got the face of that guy and it's turned into a prayer mat it's really and outside the masjid they've got uh, a sign uh, to say that you know there are certain things bro they're stopping people from fasting it doesn't affect yeah. them in any in, way in ramadan if you see if you see the roads and if you see the if you see the if you see that place there's no azan nothing no call to prayer despite it being like a muslim heavy yeah yeah uh, yeah land and it is a muslim land it was it used to be called east turkestan it was a muslim land you know they they could have uh, been a bit, bit more diplomatic it's normal for countries to come and take over uh, places yeah but like like we the, the ottomans have done it before the, there was a british empire and 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 all that but um there are ways to go about things you know you let you let a culture or a minority preserve their heritage um the city that was the the place that i was talking about kashgar which is um uh quite a famous place kashgar kashgar what they're doing now is like it has a lot of historic buildings it's got historic mosques and um uh you know it's got a lot of a lot of um value in terms of tourism and stuff what they're doing is they're demolishing all of that um and they're building a new they're building a newer Kashgar a, a more tourist friendly one but it means that people that have been living there and they've they've sort of stayed uh with that way of life so there are people that live there in these houses like that are made out of mud and they're they're like blacksmiths and they do like pottery and stuff they're still doing that from generation after generation and they find it backward they find it um they don't find it uh, useful for the economy so they're getting rid of all of that they're creating a new kashgar uh, next next to it but they're still calling it old city mm. um which is like just to like entice tourists to be like oh yeah this is an old city so but what's the what, what's china's end goal with that with all this oh uh, mate so i've done uh, quite a bit of research on uh, outside of the Uyghur situation politically where china stands currently um i've done quite a lot of research and this is my opinion um and you know people might say that you know or conspiracy or whatever but my opinion is uh, china have a i don't want to get the name wrong just give me one second uh belt and road initiative which is a uh, a big project it's the biggest project ever uh in the history of projects uh, global pl- projects yeah so they've got a belt and road It's initiative billions as well hundreds of billions um they've got like a trillion dollar budget for it um as you know china is 
the emerging superpower. A lot of the world economy depends on China. China has uh, the, the trade, world trade, you know, it has it in its pocket, basically. So what this Belt and Road in- Initiative is, is almost like what they've done with the Silk Road. Um, it's They're creating naval ports. This is it. Um, so six economic corridors spanning Asia, Europe and Africa. And yeah. then these lines you can see. See, this is where you see Pakistan as well. You know when it connects from the uh, Xinjiang yeah. all the way through into Gwadar. And then that's the port. Yeah, exactly. And then th- these are all the roads. So what, so what they've done is you know how you uh, you know how uh, you order something on alibaba yeah yeah alibaba uh, express and uh, yeah and it takes weeks yeah, yeah this will make it so that it, it takes a couple of days or something along those lines yeah so what so what they've what they've actually done and i think people need to be more aware of this and a country like malaysia's has become more aware of it so they've kind of uh, cut their ties with china um, China approaches third world countries and they've approached African countries as well and they've gone there and said look we'll build you an airport we'll build you a naval port we'll build you a train a fast train service um, on credit so you know we'll build it you know this is how much it's going to cost it's going to cost a fraction of the amount of what someone else would do it and these countries are like yeah yeah, yeah go ahead and then what China is saying is the what they're saying is like the contracts to build these things over like the the years yeah will are will be chinese contractors the chinese contracts so the money isn't going the com- the country is not like um the, co- the 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 third world country isn't benefiting from the construction um and also if they can't pay them back china has a stronghold there so uh for example sri um sri lanka couldn't pay them back and they took a fo- they took a fort and they earned that fort as well so they they are basically t- uh, cutting off sri lanka they they built they started building a port in malaysia and malaysia are quite clued on with these things yeah. and it's half built now but they said stop it we don't we don't we, we'll pay for this but we don't want your ports here because they, they they've understood what they're trying to get they're, they're trying to do that will make them 100 percent the superpower of the world the superpower of the world will be a communist country if that goes ahead and uh, they manage to implement yeah. all of that. And see how they've done it in Pakistan as well. You know, like, CPEC goes across Hassan Abdal as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes by us. Yeah. And the locals are like, yeah, new infrastructure. Because, yeah. so a lot of the logistics here, yeah, a lot logistics company, they used to go from a road on uh, in Hassan Abdal through a road called Hazara Road, yeah? yeah. And <laughs> I said that in a fresh accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hazara Road. Yeah. And, um, because it was getting overloaded and everything, traffic was insane. So now they've built that CPEC, people are delighted. Like the locals, they're like, oh yeah, wow, new infrastructure. It's going to decrease the noise, decrease the traffic. But they obviously, it's like a short-termistic view. They didn't realise what China's actually doing with yeah. all this. So so um, where the Uyghur people come in, where that territory comes in, that autonomous territory, which is Xinjiang, um, where that comes in in all of this is, that is the only bit of china that's uh there's tension there's that's the only they're the only people that are non-conformative to china's communist um views yeah so what what they want to do is they want everyone to conform to their ideology and to a point where if you go into mainland china and you go into a company a privately owned company well, it's a communist country, but they—he's starting to—they've started to open private companies. Um, you need to train the employees. 
they actually show them um, a tape of the president trying to... So he's their... Uh, what do you call it? Like, he's the educator. The president of the country is what they teach and what the kids learn who they who the curriculum basically yeah 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 yeah. so he's his face is everywhere in the companies uh, in education in the books everywhere is like the president's face and he's trying to he wants everyone to conform to his ideology and his views and you know as muslims um we've always we've you know we've our religion is protected from the day it you know the day the prophet muhammad came our religion is protected and we are a threat where we might not have the um the Uyghur people might not have the the weapons or whatever to like fight back or whatever but they're not gonna these re-education camps what they're doing now um it's not gonna it's not gonna achieve what they think it is they don't know that we don't we, we don't budge we don't have a liberal view we have um we have a way of life we have a way of uh uh morality we have a we have a a sense of morality that doesn't really change you know you can't it doesn't we can we can live with you we can live with your ways we can uh, uh different cultures can adopt different dresses and stuff but we can't change you know what we believe in and i think if they wanted to achieve the same thing with the Uyghur people they could have done it in a a more sly, sly way than putting them in concentration camp. On the contrary, though, uh, you say that, but if you look at the a lot of the Muslim nations, they're not really coming out to help. They're not even talking about it. Um, there's select few in- individuals that have recently um, come out, and for for example, the Arsenal player Mesut Özil. I'll read out his what his statement and what he said. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, he look 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 at what happened to him, like. Um, like he he wasn't in any in, da- in any any danger, but um, his like the repercussions of that. What happened to Arsenal Football Club? So they their live television and football matches rights for I think it was Arsenal Man City game that got pulled. Um, his name from search engines got pulled. Like quite a bit of uh, like whoever speaks out against them, basically um, they're out there to like uh, silence, silence them. Yeah, so. Let me just um, let me see if I can find it actually because I'm pretty sure I shared it. Um, yeah, there was Messi Ozil, oh, and there was a New Zealand uh, reverb um, uh, player as well. He yeah. spoke up. Uh, so this is what um, Ozil said. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, East Turkestan, the bleeding wound of the Ummah, the community of fighters who resist the persecution, the glorious believers who are fighting alone against those who try to forcibly take them away from Islam. Qurans are burned, mosques are closed, madrasas are banned." Religious scholars are killed one by one. The brothers are forced into camps. Chinese men... What is this? Forced to zoom because I ain't got my glasses. <laughs> uh, yeah. Chinese men are settled in their families instead of them. The sisters are forced to marry Chinese men. We went over that. Yep. Despite all of this, the Ummah of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam is silent. Doesn't object or say anything. Muslims are not supported. Don't, don't they know that consenting to persecution is persecution and then he quotes um Hazrat Ali's um what they said in terms of uh wait there's a quote here sorry man I need to zoom it if you cannot prevent persecution make it known publicly 
and this is what he's done basically and what the rugby player yeah. also, what's his name Sonny Bill Williams yeah Sonny Bill Williams yeah um, and then he goes on to say while these events have been on the agenda even in the western media and states for months and weeks where are the Muslim countries and their media which is true we, that we is men- true yeah that is we true. mentioned about like Pakistan because of our dealings with them like the PM obviously his hands are tied but he's not come out and said anything yeah um, why do and, you and think then, that is um, yeah. what, why uh, is it's it because, because of the like, political economic, yeah. and economical yeah well, economic if, deals if, bro he comes out and says something yeah. that thing that's going through Pakistan there that's like that's a like a write off and, and or he gets killed. a write off for him might mean thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of families yeah. not getting that opportunity to so it's not so for I, I think for a world leader it's a little bit more difficult than a celebrity yeah, yeah. to go, be open about these things because that could lose that could lose millions in revenue for Pakistan which affects billions billions yeah, definitely billions. which will affect uh, Pakistani people yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's in a he's in a he's in a responsible position for them which is why okay it's understandable but at the same time um, if he can't say anything yeah. there should be others that say it yeah, directly exactly. um, but let me finish this and then I'll let you um, I'll let you I'll let you speak. Um, so, and then he goes on to say, um, don't they know that staying neutral when persecution is carried out is despicable? Uh, don't they know that our, that what our brothers and sisters will remember about these sad and tough days years later is not the torture of the tyrants, but the silent, but the silence us, their Muslim brothers. Um, and then he finishes with, oh Allah, help our brothers and sisters in East Turkestan. Undoubtedly, Allah is the best of planners. Um, so he he issued this in uh, Turkish, um, but this was a translation by Ilmfried. Um So yeah, man, he's he spoke out, and also Sonny B. Williams. He's posted a tweet about um, he 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 posted an image where um, the Uyghur Mus- the Uyghur Muslim their hand and the Chinese oppressing them, and then there's like blood coming down, which is like quite a powerful image, man. It is, yeah, yeah, um, and um, it is quite sad that. Um the Muslim leaders. I know Turkey's t- taken in a lot of Uyghur uh, people um, because they are like they have their language is like Turkish. It's like a Turkish dialect, so they are Turkic uh, people originally. Um, that land was part of that whole thing, but um, so there are people that are going into Turkey um, from the Uy- Uyghur yeah. Muslims. Did you guys um, see that thing on the news about uh, a young girl discovering a Sainsbury's yeah. Christmas card? Yeah, yeah. Like, Tesco's, Tesco's. you know what the mad thing was? It, was. Wasn't it, was it Sainsbury's? No, no, I think it was Tesco's. I think it was Tesco's, yeah. Tesco's yeah. or Sainsbury's, one of them. Um, but what, what was a bit shocking was the document, uh, not the documentary, the news clip, the news bite, it focused on, oh, wow, this young girl found this in a in a packet of Christmas card, but not the actual situation. Yeah, not yeah, the, yeah, that's crazy. Not the message that was yeah, in that yeah. card. No, that's crazy. Um, do you know? Uh, do you know about it? No, no, no. So, so a young girl she um, bought a packet of uh, Christmas cards, and you know, as you know, like uh, Tesco's and Sainsbury's, they source these things from China. Um, so she opened the Christmas card, and there was the message inside. Um, and it was from the people that were making these Christmas cards, and they were like, we we were being held prisoner, basically. Um, find this person, uh, basically, and that that person was somebody who um, had uh, was investigating. Yeah, he's an investigator. He's an he's an investigator, basically. Um, so that just tells you that a country like China, who is set to be our superpower, our world, they're set to be our world leader. Um, 
the way they oppress their own and the way they go about things in terms of uh, just getting things done you know like uh, getting business done and just the way they are their character um and their ideology it doesn't forget about muslims forget about the fact that we're muslims and it doesn't conform to uh, it clashes with us it doesn't work with democracy mm. like we are we are living in a democracy we we live in a world where we like to have a say in in uh, uh, the laws and the legislation that does not conform conform with us and i think people need to be more aware of um the upcoming uh climate in terms of like and 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 the 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 two upcoming superpowers will be uh china and india and both of them are performing like they're doing they they they're treating their own people in ways which you can't imagine like the chinese with the uyghur people the 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 india the india with the muslims in india and kashmir also uh, and it's crazy that they are set to be our um what, what's the um i wonder what the general view of the chinese that like a normal so, chinese person what's their view on so this? in mainland china um they love him they love this guy because um there are more billionaires and millionaires that are coming out of china than any other country and as a communist country you would think that everything belongs to the government and stuff but um the fact that <clears throat> the fact that he's making all these millionaires and billionaires uh, you should look at the population of china firstly and i think that he that you can only become a billionaire or a millionaire in china if you're allowed to become a millionaire and billionaire in china but um so say most so so so, you, so mainland chinese people they love the guy but these other ones like hong kong for example which is um you know there's riots happening with you know there's tension now there with the they support the uyghurs uh, uyghur muslims as well they don't they definitely don't like communist rule they don't they definitely don't like um this guy i keep forgetting his name yeah yeah the pig yeah <laughs> um so are there mosques and stuff in general china still there yeah, are China. there are so in in Azan. Oh, well Xinjiang. they wouldn't have Azan, but in Xinjiang there are still mosques i did mention before that like you have to get registered uh, if you're a local you have to register with the police so that they they can keep an eye on you and china is like the most uh, there's like the most uh, so, uh how do you say it like it's got the most surveillance in the world like everywhere you go there's a camera uh, outside like every house so, so you're constantly being seen the phones that uh, th- that you buy in china are constantly being tracked uh and that's part of their they no, don't imagine they're they don't getting mind. shipped over here and they're still being tracked that's why that's them. why um that's why donald trump banned huawei because oh. he thought it was a national threat oh but yeah sorry you were going to say something yeah, yeah. i was going to say sorry you about go, that bro. Man, cool, you've tried to say it twice <laughs> but no no that's sorry, cool man. um going back to the question that you mentioned about um what the chinese perspective uh, what's the uh, or Chinese uh, Ch- Chinese perspective on the situation? You said you talked about you touched on the views of a Chinese person of their um, uh, leader, um, but what about the situation with the Muslims? Yeah, so that documentary, that Vice documentary, when they sat on the train in the beginning and they ask like this Chinese woman in the oh, train. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she ha- doesn't have much to say. Like they don't have much to say. And and the thing is, that's also a mask because they they're not allowed to. They're scared of actually speaking up. Yeah. So they um, blurred one of the guy's voices. They um, what's the word? Yeah, they uh, begins with D. Distorted one of the guy's uh, voices. 
she was interviewing him and um he was like if i if i say something what i've said to you now i could get locked up for this yeah yeah definitely um or get killed or whatever um so they're they're actually afraid to speak about it yeah so it's quite that's why we had trouble getting getting like a Chinese person or a Uyghur Muslim to come on here and speak Cause yeah. cause because they don't even, forget those people are here like the Uyghur Muslim if we brought him on a podcast he's here what, what about family, Skyping or like could you not no but this thing no 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 that's impossible bro if that that person has family back home right yeah his, he's by talking on this podcast he's putting his family back there in danger yeah do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the Skype and stuff, forget about it, bro. We're not going to get a Uyghur Muslim from there, man. Like, yeah. they've got such control over this. Like, I think... People I, struggle to speak about it, like, within the country, let alone over technology. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think, because um, I tried quite quite a bit to get someone for this podcast, um, we couldn't. So I had to do a lot of research um, around it and I'll continuously do research around it. And if we need to speak more about the situation, we 100% will. Like, um, what's the guy's name? Mesut Ozil, yeah? Ozil. Like you said, you know, you you have to you have to be a voice of the... Like, of the voiceless. The voiceless, yeah. 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 The voice of the voiceless. A lot yeah, of yeah, yeah, um, players, like man, they, they could actually, do, like say Mo Salah, these guys that have that got big profiles, but they are essentially putting their clubs and their employers in jeopardy if Bro, they do. I, I'm I, pretty sure I guarantee you, at some in some way or another, their sponsorship, their kits, yeah, their, yeah, 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 yeah. what they sell is somehow tied to China. They don't want to mess that Jeopardize up. That, yeah. yeah, they don't want to mess that up. Quickly, before we finish, um, the uh, so we've, <laughs> we've spoken about what the Muslims aren't doing, which is speaking up. Um, but I want to just quickly mention that the American Congress... Um, they're trying to pass this S.178 uh, Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act of 2019. Um, so this is something that uh, is interesting. Um, it's a bill that they want to pass. It's essentially, basically, it's basically them saying that we want to intervene. Mm. Um, so hopefully it does get passed. And it's, it's weird to say that an American bill, which is typically something to do with bombing a Muslim country or bombing or, or something along those lines or some kind of counter-terrorism or something against Muslims. It's weird to say that, you know, I hope that <laughs> this bill that they're creating for the Uyghur uh, Muslims gets passed yeah. uh, because it, you know, it could genuinely, it could help, um, it could definitely help uh, in, in and I'm going to read this bill in detail when I'm at home today because yeah. uh, no definitely man the purpose of this podcast was to actually um, build an interest and cre create awareness firstly um, and secondly build an interest within guys like us to actually talk about it man because we're, we're quite safe here like I'd like to think we're quite safe here right um, and it, to be honest when regard mentioned the idea of the podcast I didn't know too much about it but um, I, I watched a few things on it I read a few things and um, I was actually genuinely interested in it so you know that some of the documentaries you mentioned I'm going to go out and watch them yeah. so it's built and it's built an interest in me and um, hopefully wh whoever's listened to this podcast today um, is encouraged to go out and actually research a bit more and what's going on because I know we all we've all got like social media we all see uh, things on like twitter for example we see 140 character tweets and uh, some threads uh, on what's going on in um xinjiang but uh, that's that's just oh, 
Did I just burp? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's literally just a snippet yeah. uh, of, of what's going on. And um, you'll only really find out what's actually happening when you go and research it. Yeah. Yourself. And, I, you know, I will be because we have um, uh, we have the Twitter, tw- Contagion's Twitter. We've got the Instagram. We will be sharing stuff on there. Um, I'll be more active on the, on the Twitter um, and we will look at we will come back to this. Um probably not the next four or five episodes but once there is some kind of movement in 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 what's happening uh, we will come back to update you guys and actually even if a Uyghur muslim wants to speak to us and wants to be on a podcast um we're more than happy to distort your voice and blur your face and uh like if you want to be on like we can accommodate that man uh we can try and make it as secure as possible for or you. you could um if you do come across a Uyghur muslim you could talk to them if they don't want to come up and then like, you know, Oh yeah, we could gather inside relay the message. And relay the message, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Um I'm gonna actually need to uh clip out that burp, but uh, <laughs> um guys, uh thank you very much and um you've been listening to episode ten of Connotations. We're out. Salam alaikum. Peace. Salam alaikum. <laughs> I don't know why I said it well, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>